of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Pewter post-game show and a very happy one because the Bucks beat the curse. The end. They have defeated the New Orleans Saints in the regular season by winning this Sunday afternoon's game, twenty to ten, and it was heated. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore got into a fight that expanded into a brawl. Both players were ejected. Emotions were run, running very, very high to say the least. But the Bucks come out with the lead, with the win, twenty to ten, backed by another fantastic performance by the defense, which caused multiple multiple turnovers i'm your host matt matera joining with me is the face of pewterreport.com sr scott reynolds and scott my head is still spinning i don't know about you but that was a roller coaster of a game especially in that second half yeah it really was matt uh i'm just gonna say this for everybody uh, they can hear me right finally 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 Finally, finally, the Bucks beat the Saints. It felt good. It felt good to say that after seven consecutive lose, you know, losses, it, this this losing curse is is over. Like you said, the Bucks brought their own voodoo down there. I think it was called Mike Evans off off the top rope. Even Ric Flair <laughs> was was commenting on Mike yeah. Evans, uh, his his sensational performance today, smashing into Marshawn Lynch after Lynch and, and Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette got into it. And it seemed like, now the players in, in Todd Bowles were downplaying it, but it seemed like that fight between Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore really seemed to just spark the Buccaneers. Now, the Bucks defense was playing really well, but the offense was struggling. And yeah. the Saints defense, listen, give them credit. They're, they've had the Buccaneers numbers for sure. I'm just telling you, though. That uh, this, and I was concerned, right? Because the Buccaneers, they're already down Julio Jones. They're already down Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. And Brashard Perriman was injured. Russell Gage had a hamstring. Mike Evans was injured himself. And I was thinking, oh, no. Mike Evans getting tossed from this game, not good. That's one less weapon Tom Brady has to throw to. Brashad Perriman stepping up big time for Tom Brady getting a touchdown on the board. But it just seemed to bring more life and energy to this game when he and Marshawn Lattimore got tossed at first thought that it would be advantage saints. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, not having Lattimore in the game too, kind of opened things up for Tom Brady a little bit in the passing game. Yeah. It was wild Scott, because you know, we talked a lot about this week that the bucks were going to have to establish the run and run as effectively as they did against the Cowboys last Sunday. And that just clearly was not the case. They, they struggled a lot on the ground. Leonard Fournette led the way, 24 rushing attempts for 65 yards. So obviously yeah. not ideal there. And they actually passed the ball somewhat well. I think especially like early in the game when Tom Brady, you know, fumbled on the third down and then they got stopped on the fourth and one. Yeah. They were actually moving the ball down the field. Again, very similar to the Cowboys game where they could move the ball down the field, just couldn't do anything in the red zone, but they had some key third down conversion. Scotty Miller made a nice catch on third down. There was another third down conversion yeah. that got them into the area. And then the house of horrors started for the Bucks. Yeah. Where there was a botched snap where there was fourth and one Luke Edigie, just not blocking anyone with the, yeah. with the defender right there. And the Mike Evans moment, I guess we'll call it right again, crazy because it was so similar to the fight that he got with Marshawn Lattimore a couple seasons ago when Jameis Winston <laughs> tapped him right. on the you know on the helmet, the helmet or whatever yeah. it was, and then he absolutely decked him. It was very similar with that, this time standing right. up for Leonard Fournette and a break. But it took Lattimore out of the game and, and yeah. hurt Mike Evans. And that was such a Mike Evans moment, too, because we obviously know Mike as the, as the fun-loving you know, great yeah. guy, but you know, he plays with an attitude. He's the dog though, on, man. On he the, is. The field. Cause Scott, it was <laughs> yeah. so funny. Like there was the huge fight and everything like that. And then you see him walking towards the locker room. He's like, you know, giving it to the crowd as they're booing him. And then he yeah. stops, takes off his gloves 
and gives it to a Bucks fan. I love that. In yeah. the front row. I'm like, that's so Mike Evans. That's the microcosm. Well, he also saw those, those fans wearing number 13, too. So he gravitated yeah. towards that. <laughs> uh, just to address this, we're going to talk plenty of defense. Trust me, right? I love defense. So, of course, yes. we're going to get there. But just to finish up on, on the offense quickly here, Kenny uh, Spindola asks, why is this offense struggling so much, not just today, but last week, too? Well, first of all, give the Saints defense some credit. They just defend the Buccaneers better than any other team. So that's part of it. I'm going to go back to Tom Brady's press conference. And Matt, you were there, sit right next to me with what he said on Thursday, right? Uh, Luke Gedeke, new. Robert Hainsey, new. Shaq Mason, new. Yep. Kate Otten, new. Co'Keefe, new. Russell Gage, new. Julio Jones, even though he didn't play, new. Josh Will, yeah. new. Rashad White, new. Oh, Brandon Walton, <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm saying that. Brandon Walton, new. The Bucks were down to their third string left tackle today. And Brandon Walton, to his credit, played a really good game. I thought Josh Wells did okay while he was in there, too. But it's just there's so much newness on this, this Bucks offense. It's going to take some time for this offense to come together and gel. And even Todd Bowles said after the game in his post-game press conference, they got to get healthy on offense. It's just it's a banged-up unit right now. But I wrote yeah. about this at the end of the week. I think it was Friday or Saturday. This Bucks defense is going to have to carry the offense. So this is not anything new to the Peter Report staff. We've talked about this internally. This is the kind of defense the Bucks are going to have to play to carry this offense. Reminds me an awful lot of, of 2002 when John Gruden came, totally revamped that offense and, and brought in all the new personnel. Michael Pittman, Roman Oban, Kerry Jenkins, Ken Dilger, uh, 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 Keenan McCardell, Joe Jerevicious, Ricky Dudley, right? So there were so many new pieces on that that offense for Brad Johnson to have to throw to and, and operate with that it just took some time and the Bucks defense had to assert itself. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. The Bucks defense, yeah, there's a couple of new pieces, right? Akeem Hicks, he got dinged up in this Logan game. Ryan, Logan yeah. Ryan, who had a huge clutch fumble. Clutch changed everything. But, but Matt, it's just going to take some time, and this defense has got to play this way early in the season. We've talked about this, and I'm telling you, it's it's uh, you know it, it's right on schedule. This Bucks defense, they're they're the the league's top scoring defense after two games, only allowing 13 points. And and boy, the takeaways today, right? Five takeaways, including three interceptions on Jameis Winston, including a, a Mike. Edwards interception, a pick six. Should should we be surprised by Mike Edwards getting a pick six, Matt? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I actually said, you know, before the season that Mike Edwards was probably the player that I'm most excited to watch because he's going to be expanded into that starting role. And then it was funny. I was talking with Casey Hudson during the uh, the live stream that we had going on. And thank you, Leo, very much for the, the, the $5 super chat. He says Appreciate Evans you, and Lattimore will be fined. No suspensions. Lattimore punched. Uh, Fournette, which started the brawl. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But with Mike Edwards, it was funny. I, I was talking with Casey during the live stream, and I said Edwards so far through a game and a half has like he's been he's been big day. He's done the game. We haven't the splashy Mike Edwards that you know put him on everyone's radar and got him the ball hawk nickname. And then you know, a couple moments later, later on in the game, has that big pick six that essentially. Sealed the game. The Bucks picked off yeah. James Winston three times. As exciting as the Mike Edwards interception was, Scott, the first interception by Jamel Dean. Don't make a scene. It's Justine. I, you know, we've talked so much about the Bucks secondary, how they get yeah. PBUs, they do a good job there, but they have to start getting those interceptions. And I mean, that was a deep ball down the field. Jameis tried time and time again yeah. to throw the deep ball to Chris Olave, and it was Let's great coverage it. by Jamel Dean. Have we seen that, Bucks fans? Jameis Winston not hitting open deep <laughs> receivers. Have we seen oh, yeah. that? Have we seen some interceptions in bunches in the fourth quarter? <laughs> have we seen some pick sixes from Jameis Winston? Yes, we have. Jameis has returned. Oh, Jameis is back. Yeah, you had a very funny tweet. I didn't see it until like 10 minutes later after you tweeted it, but it was in all caps, and he said, Old Jameis is back, and – yeah, he really was. I mean, if you want to give him credit for playing through a, a very tough injury, sure, I, there's something to be said about that. But, yeah, it was just everything you said. It, it came in bunches. It came late in, like, the you know, the clutch moments of the game. Let's remember, Jamel Dean's interception 
immediately obviously gave the ball, the Bucks the ball, but immediately led to a touchdown on that drive. So yeah. it was a very, very important drive, especially for the Bucks offense that struggled for most of the game. They were still able to move the ball 80 yards down the field, yeah. you know, after that touchback for the interception. So as, as important as it was to get the ball back, I think it was a momentum shift because it yeah. wasn't that long after the fight with Mike Evans and Marshawn Latham. If anything, it's that momentum that kicking the pants that the the Bucks offense kind of needed a little bit, yeah. And then uh, you know things well, just kept Matt, rolling for the Bucks after that. You're talking about a kick in the pants, and there's nothing that will give you a kick in the pants more than Celsius. That's right. It's the official energy drink of Pewter Report and the proud sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, Celsius. Seven essential vitamins, and what makes it so special is you have all of the taste and all of the flavor. Look at all those flavors. Wild berry, yeah. orange, which is one of my favorites. They have a, a peach mango green tea, tropical vibe. Did I mention vibe? <sighs> the Arctic vibe really hits, man. That's good. The new Arctic vibe, the peach vibe, watermelon, which is Ashley's favorite. So many great flavors, but one of the best things about Celsius is you get all of the energy that's right. Go to your local bodega, as, as Matt Matera says. All of the great flavor and the energy that you want without the sugar crash later. Why? Because there's no sugar. There's no preservatives. Folks, if you're not on the Celsius train, there's still plenty of room. Grab your ticket and go, man. Get on that Celsius train. I have Celsius every morning. It's replaced coffee. I haven't had coffee in the longest time. It's a great starter to your day. It's a great pick-me-up in the afternoon. It's great before you go to the gym. And where can you get it? Well, go to Celsius.com. Click on the store locator. You'll find it in health and fitness stores near you, convenience stores, bodegas, as Matt would say, uh, <laughs> grocery stores, carry it. And, and then grab a couple cans. Try the different flavors. Or as Matt says, go to Amazon.com. Click on uh, Amazon.com on that subscribe and save. Maybe try the, the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Get the variety pack, have it shipped to your house, and use the subscribe and save option. You can save some money, and you get it shipped right to your door. It's absolutely awesome. Do we have Josh Capo in the house? Uh, I, think I think we do. I think we do. I believe you have me. All right. There he is. How are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This this Ooh. was something. You know you know that, that I love. You, here's a tropical one right there. I had this this morning. This is so good. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and I, I would be... I'm not, I'm not going to say that they had it, but the Buccaneers defense certainly played like they were on Celsius today, the way they were flying around, getting all those those sacks and, and, and fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, interceptions, pick sixes. Josh Capo, what stood out to you about this game the most initially? I, I think you nailed it. I think it was the turnovers. It was something I, I certainly was looking for um, coming into the game. I think I put it in my my Peter report uh, predictions is Tampa Bay and new Orleans has come down to turnovers quite a bit over the, the recent history. And, uh, and, and I banked on the quarterback with the better record when it comes to yeah. turnovers. <laughs> and, and as you put it, Jameis is going to Jameis and he certainly Jameis yeah. quite a bit today. <laughs> yeah, there's so. no doubt about it. And, and, and I think too, when you look at at this defense, right, and they want to get more interceptions, that's that's something that they were saying even before training camp started, and 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 interceptions can come in bunches. We we've seen that, we saw that today, and I just think there's so much momentum now on the defensive side of the ball. And if you look at the stats real quick, right, uh, offensively, it, it uh, I'm going to liken it like this: the Bucks' offense was the jab, right? It just you kind of yeah. jabbed the Saints all day. You, you ran Leonard Fournette, and I'll say this: it, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't as as prominent as it was last week. You didn't see the big runs. Give the Saints defense some credit. Give Byron Leftwich some of the blame, guys, for being a little too predictable with some of those first down runs. I didn't think that they helped uh, Leonard Fournette and the offensive line out at all. Did not like some of the third and short, or even that fourth and short uh, play call. That being said. This was a safe, efficient game for Tom Brady. I, I can't recall any of his passes that were close to being intercepted. He did have the fumble. That was just a snap issue in the first half. They were able to get past that. But we didn't see Brady in this offense turn the ball over. We saw Jameis Winston and the, and the Saints turn the ball over a lot. And it just seemed to me, Matt, when 
when Jameis Winston threw that touchdown pass to Brashad Perriman, you could just see and feel Jameis start to press. And and when when that happens, we know what happens. Bad things <laughs> to the offense. Yeah. <laughs> and it, thankfully, it wasn't the Bucks' offense this time. It was the Saints' offense. But you could just kind of smell uh, that that blood in the water. Mm-hmm. And and you just saw Todd Bowles' Sharks swimming around the Superdome and just going in for the kill once Jameis started to press. Yeah, because the Saints were finally put in, in a position where they had to throw the ball. You know, they had the very effectively against the Bucs defense, which was very surprising to everyone. And they were mixing in a lot of their running backs. But, you know, when they finally started going down, the Bucs could just pin their ears back and get after Jameis. And, you know, Jameis, obviously, we talked yeah. about he struggled with the deep ball uh, to Olave all game. Occasionally, he had some good passes over, you know, to the, the intermediate routes, like when Michael Thompson or whoever would get find a sweet spot in the zone but a lot of the time Jameis was kind of just dumping it off the short five to seven yard route so didn't really have to push the ball too much but I think the Bucs did a great job Michael Thomas he didn't do one in that last you know garbage time touchdown when he's screaming at Carlton Davis even though you know you're down by multiple scores (laughs) I think they did a great job of limiting him and then obviously Jameis couldn't connect on the deep ball so you know the Bucs were just able to do their thing Six sacks in the game, two by Sack Barrett, one by Devin White. Antoine Winfield Jr. was credited with one. Lamonte David got one. And then uh, Joe Tryon-Chanka and Vita Vea each had a half sack. So yeah. I, obviously they got to him a lot, but the pressure I felt was there for a majority of the game that made Jameis uncomfortable, had to throw yeah. it. I think that really contributed to Jameis's second interception to Jamel Dean when it was an overthrow and Dean made the, right. the diving catch because he was rattled there. They did a great job of getting in his face. And, you know, right now, the Bucs are only losing – the Bucks defense is only losing to the Bucks offense by one touchdown. It's two <laughs> touchdowns to one, the Bucs right. offense versus the Bucs defense. So yeah. uh, a very yeah, the other one I closely like to contested throw out battle. There, I was going to say, the other one I like to throw out there, Matt, and I think I tweeted it just a little while ago, really the only defense allowing less points per game right now is the University of Georgia. It's like 3.3 yeah. <laughs> for them and 6.5 for the yeah. Bucs. So yeah. they're they're in elite company in terms of, of they are uh, limited national school. champion go dogs yeah go dogs, Josh you know you bring up a, a good point about this <laughs> this defense and and when you and I were in Tennessee right we saw Devin White playing so under control watching those joint practices against the Titans it was like a carbon copy of of what we saw the previous week Matt in in uh, in Tampa against the Dolphins he's just become a player who's more under control. Now he missed some tackles today, right? And he kind of missed one sack opportunity that Vita Vea and Joe Tryon Shalinka yeah. uh, were able to split. But I also thought too, credit for Jameis Winston for ducking out of that sack. He uh, Maybe all those wacky, crazy off-season drills he does worked on that play. But, <laughs> but White did set up his teammates for that sack, but yet he adds another sack. And Josh, for a guy that had three and a half sacks last year, Devin White, a more under-controlled Devin White, again, missed some tackles today. I don't think it was as clean of a game as it was last week against the Dallas Cowboys, but still, 11 tackles, very productive. I thought he played very well in, in, in zone coverage, but when called on to blitz, added another sack to the total. He's already got three this year. His season high was nine back in the 2020 season. Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you go back to last season and kind of where the Bucks' pass defense struggled, it was a lot of stuff over the middle. And yeah. that was because a, a lot of times Devin White was out of position. You're just not seeing it this year. The, the Dallas hasn't been able to take advantage of it. New Orleans hasn't been able to take advantage of it. And it's a big reason why the Bucks' defense is getting off the field on third downs. And yeah. it all comes back to that position. And he's doing an incredible job. He has been a linchpin for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, one of the interesting things too is was uh, the fact that that after the game, Devin White was was asked by Aaron Andrews about about the win, and obviously, right, he was super excited to get this win, and and to see the defense play so well, getting those sacks, six sacks, five takeaways, including Carlton Davis, who made a very heady play when Chris Olave finally caught a deep ball, had a yeah. step on on Carlton Davis, been a rookie mistake, not tucking the ball down. Uh, the ground caused the fumble, but it still counted because he wasn't touched down yet. Carlton Davis was there to jump on it. But the interesting thing, Matt, is is what Devin White said after the game was, you know, he was still pretty ticked off about allowing too many rushing yards. 
And this is a real, listen, when you're at this level, right, when you finally beat the Saints 20 to 10 in convincing fashion in the second half, and you get a pick six and you get all those interceptions, sacks, you create the takeaways on defense, you're having a day. You get to beat your chest a little bit. But I saw a lot of maturity from Devin White saying, yeah, we, we, we got to go back and into the lab and clean up some things in the run game. The Buccaneers, let's see, they they allowed. Uh, no, the run game was not good. If you're going to nitpick yeah, the Bucs defense, stopping just the under, run. Carries, 20 carries for 102 yards overall. Yeah. Mark Ingram, who was the big engine for them, was 10 carries for 60 yards. Yeah. So he went off for six six yards a clip. Yeah. But still, at the same time, it wasn't fatal, right? I mean, it wasn't right. like this this team couldn't stop the run. I think a lot of those those runs happened in the first half, in the second half, even when it was a close game. I think they did a much better job shutting down Taysom Hill. He was a non-factor today and then getting after it for Ingram. But I want to say probably 30 or 40 of those yards came on the first drive of the Saints, and then the Bucks kind of buttoned things down. It's interesting because – I don't think he, Akeem Hicks has played very well the first two weeks against no. the run. Teams have been running to their right against the Bucks' left side of the defensive line. I actually thought they played better when Nacho was in there, and he's a run stuffer. That's his job, but I thought they played better than when Akeem Hicks was in there. Yeah, I think you can make that case, and I, I don't think Akeem Hicks has played bad by any means, and obviously he left this game early with an injury. I just think, again, it goes back to that he was so hyped up in the preseason and training camp by us, by, you know, the Bucks brass, you know, it wasn't like this came out of thin air, you know, yeah. uh, he had been impressing a lot of people. So the fact that while we saw it in training camp in the preseason, and we didn't necessarily see it last Sunday night or in this game before he got hurt, it, it does bring a little like cause for concern. But I thought obviously when Hicks got out of the game, that meant more snaps for Logan Hall, Nacho got more opportunities. Will Golston was utilized a lot. And I thought they did a good job of, you know, keeping it together. We, we've seen you know, pick things up when, when other guys leave. And I'm not talking about, you know, last year with the corners. That was a completely different situation with guys getting hurt literally like every single time. But I think, you know, whether it's Donovan Smith, Smith not being available or Hicks leaving the game or Mike Evans getting ejected, uh, the Bucks showed that they have resiliency, that they can, you know, pick up the slack when the going gets tough because – Make no bones about it. This was a, an extremely gutsy performance from, yeah, Wells going in there and then he gets hurt, uh, going getting down to your third string offensive tackle and, you know, still doing enough to come away with the win, not just against a good team, but a team that has had your number. We've talked about it a ton. This wasn't just a win. It was a convincing, gutsy, grind it out, muck it up type of game that we've been talking about. So, uh, you know, I tip my cap to the Bucks, man, because it, things were – Ugly things were not going their way. The refs were horrible, calling a calling a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on on Levante David for yeah, a, you know a, a pretty like clear cut play. So, uh, you know things didn't always go their way. Brady was slamming the uh, the tablet and everything like that, but at the end of the day, they were able to to pull it off. You know, yeah, Josh, I, I'm going to say this, and I want you to react to this. Right there, there was a kicking competition this year in training camp in the preseason. We, we were there in Tennessee when, when Suckup nailed that huge kick, former Titans player, and he actually had a pretty good practice against Tennessee as well. And, and the Buccaneers made the decision to go with old man Suckup one more year, right? He's 36 years old, and he has, has been clutched so far. Granted, the 36-yard you know, miss in week one, he made four out of the five. I'm going to give him credit for the four he made. I know the one that he missed in Dallas he wants to have back. But in this game, when points are at a premium on the offense, he goes out there and nails two clutch kicks, right? He nails that that kick just to tie it up, and it's a 47-yarder that, that's, that's really kind of pushing his range a little bit. And, Josh, if he misses that kick, that has a potential to be a real deflator for the Bucks' offense, right? Absolutely. And, and he nailed it. I mean, it was right through the uprights and, and I, I made a comment about it. He, his leg looks stronger this year. It looked stronger when we were out in camp and yeah. it certainly looks stronger because that 47 yarder cleared by quite a bit. He probably could have made that from 50 and beyond. So yeah. you have the experience that you mentioned, suck up stunning on the biggest stage. He, he, he's hit him in the, the Super Bowl. We know that for the most part inside of 45, he's just about automatic and he's showing that, you know, 
he he can still get it from you know, probably not the same range as some of these other kickers going 60 plus um, or their teams trying to. <laughs> Whoa, what a stat. There you go. We got to make sure Bailey, Bailey gets that for the record book. Watch. Yeah. Oh my God. Jameis Winston with another milestone. Wow. Pick six by all four NFC South teams. Wow. That is something. That's going to be all over the record books. Yes. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. One way or another. Not in a good way. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to laugh over your commentary. That was was good stuff. That was was, was a hell of a stat right there. Funny is funny. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I think suck up. He was, he was nails. He was exactly what the bucks needed because if he misses that one, or if you have, you know, a rookie kicker and Morgales wasn't a rookie, but a young kicker who hasn't really been proven that's as high stakes as you're probably going to get in the right. preseason when you consider the the divisional mat- matchup, the fact that the Bucks haven't won in a while, the fact that just weird stuff kept happening. Yep. That that takes a lot of nerves to be it able does. to just go out there and put it through. Yep. And Suckup did his job. Because it can be such a deflator. And then he goes out there, right? They get the touchdown, the Brashad Perriman, right? And you you gotta you, you gotta keep that that margin at seven points right now it's it's 10 to three right so you can't miss and he didn't he made the extra point for Shard Perriman I will that's say right that. yes charge on yeah <laughs> Bailey Adams and Casey Hudson like that uh and 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 then he makes another 47 yard field goal oh, man suck up with this strong leg right 47 yard field goal again yep. to now push the score to 13 to three and I just think the Buccaneers just just elevate from that, right? That's more points. Again, points are at a premium. They know that against the Saints defense. The Saints defense held them without a single point the last time they played, and that was the Raymond James Stadium in December. So th- they're going to take the points any way they can get them. And Suckup delivered today two field goals and an extra point, and that just seemed to just buoy this defense and put them in attack mode and really force Jameis Winston to press. Yeah, w- without question, and – yeah, for, for suck up, like you said, they were long field goals. They were both 47 yarders, so not exactly in his wheelhouse. And yeah, especially to once he made it a two possession game, you know, when he hit that field goal to make it 13 to three, I was thinking just with the way that the Bucks defense was playing, yeah, you know, anything could happen. You know, Olave got deep on that one play, he ended up fumbling right. it. But like again, sometimes mistakes happen where I could see, you know, New Orleans scoring a touchdown or getting another score even as well as the Bucks defense played but I was thinking as long as it's a two possession game yeah the Bucks are going to hold on to this because they started doing enough on offense where they were you know moving it somewhat got them into a, a bunch of third and manageables when they weren't getting holding penalties mm-hmm. or whatever it may be but Rashad Perryman scoring that touchdown I mean there was many other times Perryman ended the game I believe with yeah, three catches for 45 yards and that touchdown. Obviously, yeah. a big chunk of his recept- of his receiving yards was on that touchdown. But he had a couple other plays where it went incomplete to him. There's that big one on third down yeah. uh, as they were trying to run down the clock. And again, good play by the Saints defense, that. punching it out of his hands, right? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a great but throw and catch I, there. I was just – I was – surprised when he ended up making the catch i was like i've seen this before it gets close yep. to him and hits him in the hands and it's done <laughs> but i mean brashad perriman was a guy that was injured for the majority of training camp yeah and a lot of us like i've been very harsh on brashad perriman i'm i'm not afraid to admit it like right. i didn't really want him on the box and i was questioning why is he on this team i understand he still has speed and the prototypical size but what has he really done that has earned him a role on this team but you know what he shut me up, made a great catch in such a pivotal moment. So shout out to him for making that play. But I, yeah, I was so surprised when it happened, and then yeah. defense did the rest from there. Yeah, that that's certainly the case. Uh, you know, Josh, before you came on, Matt and I were talking about the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore. I don't know if this is round three, round four. I don't know what a round we're in now <laughs> between those guys pushing and shoving and punching and body slamming and all this. But what did you make of that? It just seemed to us. Like it sparked the Buccaneers a little bit, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a galvanizing moment because if you if you go back and you look at it, Mike wasn't doing it out of frustration because Lattimore was shutting him down. 
Right. She was doing it for the same reason they got into their first fight when Lattimore was going after his quarterback. Yeah. And Mike Evans has shown that you don't mess with my quarterback. And so for him to come out and just take him and there's somebody else. I mean, he ended up taking two saints to the ground with him, Lattimore and someone else. Marcus, and, May. And Marcus May. Marcus May. That's right. Yeah. Um, just bringing them both. To the, I think that that lit a fire under the rest of the team's ass. You know, they, yeah. we've got to do something and not let all of this emotion go to waste. So yeah. absolutely. I think that, you know, you give them a game ball for it. I, I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> Uh, Brian Shaw, we appreciate the $10 Super Chat. Great game day live stream today. Well, yeah, it's – listen, we have Matt Matera and Casey Hudson doing it for one reason, folks, because they're the absolute best. I mean, their commentary is fantastic. Got some great reviews last week. And the great thing about this uh, is next week we're going to do it again. And this time it's going to be in Tampa when the Green Bay Packers come to the Buccaneers' house for – what could be another interesting game with another pick six, yeah. right? Because Jamel Dean had a pick six the last time Aaron Rodgers was in town. So we might see back-to-back -back pick sixes again. But you want to make sure that you tune in to Pewter Game Day. And that happens at 425. That's the live in-game analysis with Matt and Casey. They're going to give you all the action and all the commentary throughout the entire game. Matt's a little hoarse just about because he had so much fun doing it today. <laughs> but before we get to Pewter Game Day, we do this fun thing called the Pewter Report Tailgate Show, the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show, and that is presented by Age Rejuvenation live at Walk-Ons. We were at the Walk-Ons in Midtown today, and it was a blast. Buccaneer fans galore down there, TVs. It's a fantastic spot to watch the game. I've never been to a sports bar that had more TVs than walk-ons, both the Midtown Tampa location and the Wesley Chapel location. We're going to be at Wesley Chapel with J.C. Allen and Bailey Adams and John Gilmore next Sunday, and that's going to be right before Pewter Game Day. So it's going to take place at 2.30. We do two hours prior to kickoff, again, presented by Age Rejuvenation. So appreciate everybody. Going down to the Midtown location today, make sure you join us at the at the uh, the Wesley Chapel walk-ons. We're going to give you a free Celsius when you come, too. You can't beat that. And make sure that you are stay tuned to PeterReport.com for the Bucks coverage that, that we do. We think it's the best Bucks coverage out there. Breaking news, inside scoop, game coverage. You guys want some game coverage, this is the place to go. Expert analysis and free agency and draft coverage. We cover the Bucks year-round. So make sure, if you're a fan of the Peter Report podcast, and the Pewter Report Tailgate Show and, and Game Day, make sure that you get off of our YouTube stream. And we love when you're there, Pewter Report TV on YouTube. But go to our website, pewterreport.com. We have Buck's Most Impressive and Disappointing. We've got the game story. I'll have my two-point conversion post-game column up shortly. So make sure you're checking out our coverage on our website, pewterreport.com. Yeah, thanks again to Brian for the super chat. He was very interactive during the, the live game day stream and, and watching now. So shout out to Brian. Uh, thanks for all your involvement and being a fan of PeterReport.com. We have another super chat here from Marquise Davis. Thanks a lot, Marquise, for the $5 super chat. He says, Bucks need to get healthy on offense. People are going to look at Brady's stats and say he has been bad so far this year. But that is not the story. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of throws today. There were two that went off the hands of Scotty Miller. Who, yeah. Scotty Miller is quickly turning into the new Jalen Darden with just falling all <laughs> over the place, being on roller yeah. skates. It was like, come on, Scotty, like stay up. You know, he finally got his opportunity and he did make some nice catches. You know, he had the third down catch in the first half. He caught yeah. another ball over the middle that helped get the Bucks a first down. So Scotty was was up and down. But yeah, there were a couple where, you know, Fox had it dialed in where anytime anything happened to the Bucks offense, they immediately cut the camera. To Tom Brady and it was either yeah. dropping an F-bomb, screaming at someone, <laughs> rolling his eyes like they, yeah. whoever, I'm, you know I'm sure they just went to That's one person. Leadership. And said, hey, yeah. It's leadership. Well, the only time he didn't was on the, the fumbled snap, which I take is that was on him. It wasn't yeah. on Hainsey. Yeah. Th that's yeah, Josh, what I'm curious about. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me ask you, Josh, when you look at, at, at Tom Brady and the Buccaneers winning this way, it just reminds me. Of and if JC Allen was here, him being the, the former Patriots fan, I say former because you know, I mean, the Bucs are better than the Patriots, but this is how Brady has won 
games up there in New England, right? When when he didn't have all of the of the, the weapons on offense. I'm not talking about his 5,000 yard passing year when they went undefeated and he's throwing what you know 100 touchdowns to Randy Moss that season. I'm talking about there are some times where where the weather's been inclement, they've had to run the ball and play efficient football, and he's got maybe one touchdown and no interceptions, and the defense goes out there and makes some plays and wins the game. And for as as prolific as a passer as Tom Brady is, Josh, he wants to win. He's also the most prolific winner, and he will win at age 45 doing whatever it takes to win, whether he's throwing for three, 400 yards or whether he's throwing for just under 200 yards, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. He his biggest goal is to get the W. I think the frustration for, that he showed throughout the day is because the process didn't always match what the result ended up being. There yeah. were lots of people who just didn't do their jobs on a, a, a lot of different plays. Yeah. And that's where the frustration came from. I think he left a lot out there. Um, uh, Matt mentioned the, the couple of throws to Scotty. He got open. He just couldn't yeah. catch the ball. There were some opportunities for the the score to be a lot higher. And what's interesting was most of that came through the air. You know, they they moved the ball yeah. a lot more on the air than they did in the ground. Um, and it just goes to show you to to the um, the super chat. Brady played really well. Right. He just got let down by this here, that there. It, it just throughout the entire game. And you could see the frustration boiling over on him. And then towards the end there, I think it was right after the Evans uh, fight, you know, he, he was letting his offense have it saying yeah. this ends now we yeah. are going down the field. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. He wasn't, he wasn't happy either. Like in the post game press conference. I, I mean, we had it recorded. I think it was under two minutes. And, yeah. you know, usually you hear someone from the Bucks PR staff say like, last question, last question. No, Tom Brady was was doing it. He was like, "All right, last question, you like go and yeah. ask, go and ask whatever you want to ask." So he was uh, he was not very happy after the game either. But I was also saying this: Tom's usually not happy when when you show, when you show him playing until the clock hits zero and his team yeah. has more He's points than the an opponent. Intense guy, and he brings the that, that picture was against the Cowboys last week, right? I mean, yeah. he just listen. He knows. Ali Marpet is gone, right? Ryan Jensen is gone. And uh, Donovan Smith today was gone. He He's playing, you know, he is, he's the, the lone, he and Mike Evans were like the lone varsity kids, right? And it's like the flu hit the varsity team and they had to bring up all the JV guys, all the freshmen and sophomores to play in this yeah. game, right? And he's not real happy about it. He'd rather be playing with all of his fellow seniors out there, right? And, and, and being at full strength and, and, and having it be easier and more fun when you're throwing touchdowns, right, than, than having to uh, get off the field and punt on fourth down. And, and I just think that that sometimes, like, that intensity spills over, and it's just leadership. It just yeah. – he's willing that offense. He's squeezing every bit of productivity out of a guy like Robert Hainsey in his second start, Luke Gedeke in his second start, Brandon Walton, who's in there in an emergency, oh, shit, situation, right? And did really well. I think it, it, it's interesting when you look at this versus the Dallas game, there are two things that kind of were flipped. Um, the Saints got, in terms of their passing game, Olave got open. You know, James yeah. just couldn't get to yeah. him. Um, and the, the back end, the coverage was good, but it wasn't as great as it was in Dallas. But then you had a much better pressure package, which was great this week versus good last week, right? And yeah. And then you look at the offense, and, and you were talking about Brady squeezing everything out. That offensive line balled out from a, a pass protection standpoint yeah. for the most part. But then versus last week when they were elite in run blocking, they struggled. So yeah. it, the, the teams <laughs> basically showed they can win in almost every different way. Let's just hope we can see it all put together. And instead of a low scoring 19 or 20 points for the good guys and less than five for the bad guys, it just goes to like 38 to nothing. Yeah. And that's what makes me so excited about this Bucks offense. And, and Brady's talked about it. They're a work in progress right now. They are clearly not at the potential that they can get to with all the weapons that they have, even if Julio is injured and, you know, Russell Gage is playing on one hamstring. Mike Evans leaves at, you know, halfway through the game because he gets into a fight. You know, there's still so much potential for this offense that when they do figure it out, and sure, it'll take time, but when they do 
start, you know, firing on all cylinders and, it, and it's all one great fell swoop of, uh, you know, just on point production for the Bucks offense. They're going to be even tougher to beat because there will be a game where Brady might have to air it out. They can get it done that way. They can be efficient running the ball when they really it was a struggle today. But Josh, as you said, they were great last week where this week they showed that they could actually pass block despite the fact that the Saints have, you know, a really difficult defensive front to go and play against. So I'm very excited when we start watching them hit their stride and they're already 2-0, and uh, it's going to cause a ton of issues for all the opponents around them because the defense is winning the games for them right now. And I don't, barring like major injuries, I don't see this defense slowing down at all whatsoever. So once the offense gets onto their level, I mean, forget about it. This is definitely a team that has a great chance of getting the number one seed. I know it's very early in the season, but, you know, two wins, two wins in the NFC South. Uh, sorry, the NFC Conference, first yeah. place in the NFC South after a win today. I mean, if they take care of business against the Packers next week, they're going to have a lot of tiebreakers against teams that, uh, you know, are also – really in the running before, you know, preseason heading to the season that many thought could get the number one seed. You know, it's the Packers, Rams, they'll be able to control that destiny when they play against them, and Saints and the Cowboys before Dak got hurt. These are all teams that had potential to get the number one seed, uh, but when the dust settles, it looks like it's the, uh, you know, the Bucks that are in the driver's seat early on. Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of football to be played, but you're right though. It's it's better you're better to be two and zero than than zero and two. Uh, yeah. Statistics and, and history will show you that you, your chances of making the playoffs historically are much better if that's the case. And I like the fact that the Buccaneers already have that early one nothing lead in the NFC yeah. South over the Saints. Take some pressure, I think, off of the Buccaneers who who honestly have played better guys in New Orleans than they have at home. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> they didn't score a single point last year. In that nine nothing weird bloodbath that that happened in December, where Chris Godwin was taken out, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, Le- Levante David hurt his foot at the end of the game. It was just a weird, wacky game. The defense played well. Bucks offense couldn't score a point. Then the year prior, in 2020, on Sunday Night Football, a shellacking 38 to three. Probably, well, I would say probably Tom Brady's worst game as a Buccaneer. Right, he was awful in that game. The whole offense. Was was terrible. I think the Bucks set a franchise record for running the ball to, for the fewest amount of yards in that game. Awful coaching, awful execution yeah. on both sides of the ball. So it does take some pressure off. At least they've swept with the Saints. And 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 Matt, when you look at this start, right? I think everybody in their mind now, not the Buccaneers. They want to win every game. They're always they always want to yep. be one or no, and that's how football is played. But Matt, when you look at at this this gauntlet of a season, right? We what do we say? You got to be at least two and two out of these four games mm-hmm. to start, and and now they've at least achieved that, right? And they've got these next two games against the Packers and the Chiefs at home, where they've actually played really well. They set a franchise record for most home wins last year, so let's hope that that continues and and Raymond James Stadium can can continue to be defended by these Buccaneers. Without question, that was the major goal that we talked about, splitting the first four games of the season. So you can check that one in the box. Already did that. And, you know, with these next two games at home, the Bucs, no intent playing at home, but they're playing with house money because they already accomplished that goal of splitting, you know, or at least going 2-0 and and potentially could go 4-0. And, you know, it'll be very interesting. Obviously, very two tough opponents with the Chiefs. Everyone remembers the regular season game two years ago against the Chiefs and then, uh, obviously, the Super Bowl. Different-looking team, but same scheme. Obviously, they don't have Tyreek Hill, and um, but, you know, they have a couple of players in there. I'm very curious to see what the Packers do tonight because they obviously look terrible in the first game of the season, getting shellacked by the Minnesota Vikings. But also, we saw that last year when Jameis threw five touchdowns against the Packers in week one. So it very much could be something where they just bounce back in week two. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers said that he, you know, he admires Todd Bowles. He's like one of the most creative defensive play callers and now head coaches that he's gone up against. And, you know, the Bucs have had the Packers number. We talked a lot about how the Saints have always gotten the better of, of the Bucs. But, you know, since Tom Brady came to Tampa, they have two wins over the Packers. So obviously the Packers will be looking for some revenge. But I like where this team is because they're obviously led first by the defense, which you're going to need that against Aaron Rodgers right. and Patrick Mahomes. And we'll watch the Packers defense, but 
the Packers defense is not as daunting as the Saints defense, I would say. And the same thing goes for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they got through the tough part, especially offensively wise. We knew there was going to be struggles. The next two weeks, very important games where you're going to need your offense in a little more tip-top yeah. shape. I think these are two defenses that, uh, you know, maybe we won't see the Bucs score 30 points, but they'll be more efficient in the red zone and, uh, you know, pick up their end of the bargain a little bit. Yeah. yeah, Scott, I think the interesting thing that you mentioned there was that these were two road wins and that the Bucs performed well last year at home. And and you talk to most people in the, uh, in the NFL and they look at the, like an entire schedule. They say, you know, you want to win all your home games and then split your right. road game. Yep. And the Bucs have eight road games this year. They're now 2-0. and Now listen to their road opponents for the rest of the season. At Pittsburgh, that may be tough because Pittsburgh's defense is, is always tough. Yep. At Carolina, at Cleveland, that just – I'm sorry, Matt. I'm going to – they gave the game away to the Jets. <laughs> hey, win is the win. Absolutely. 1-0 in their last one. The there you go. <laughs> but that's going to be a Deshaun Watson-less – Cleveland. That's the right. last game before he comes back. Then they've got the 49ers, which will be tough, but then Arizona, which tends to fold at the end of the season, and then Atlanta. Yep. They they passed two of the hardest road tests. They got it out of the way, and now they're 2-0. Yep. and oh, And you talk about splitting. I mean, now you're talking about what, what kind yep. of a winning record can we have on the road. That's huge. Yeah, that, that is. And the other thing that was, was huge was uh, Devin White at the end of the game in his post game was talking to um, Aaron Andrews from Fox and he was throwing a little shade on Jameis Winston after the game. So make sure you go to pewterreport.com. We have that story up right now. Devin White, actually, I'm going to put it in the, the chat here. Y'all can check it out. But Devin White was throwing some shade at, uh, you know, at, at the, the Jameis Winston. And, and why not? I mean, Jameis was very, polite to Tampa Bay today with all those gifts, you know, and when you're, when you're a host, you want to be hospitable, right. And, and, and give your, your guests, treat them well. And James did that today. So Devin white throwing the bucks, uh, or, or I should say the saints quarterback, former bucks quarterback, James Winston throwing some shade his way. And Matt, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the place to go for shade really is not just Devin white in Tampa. It is Florida Lanai curtains, right. And Florida Lanai curtains, uh, folks, I, I have got Florida Lanai curtains at my house. It's it's been a tremendous uh, investment, and and I, you know, it, it's it's really transformed my backyard. It's given me privacy. It's made things cooler. And listen, when you live in Florida, right, you're that comes with the territory. We love the warm weather, but the two biggest complaints about spending time outside in Florida is the lack of privacy. Where these homes now, and even my house is. They're built right on top of each other, right? You had neighbors like 10 feet away. And also the Florida heat. It's brutal even into October and November. So the lack of privacy and too much sun, don't let that drive you indoors and keep you from your pool and your screened in lanai and your enclosures uh, and, and those outdoor spaces that you want to enjoy. The Florida lanai curtains um, solution is the privacy on demand patented outdoor privacy curtain system and the custom-made screen enclosure shade sales. The flexible installation options and the high-quality products give you privacy and shade just where you need them. Privacy on demand outdoor curtains are made from the well-known Sunbrella brand Marine Canvas, backed by a 10-year fade-free warranty. When you see Marine Canvas on boats, it's the same type of material. And that's really what sold me is because this is gonna hold up to the thunderstorms, uh, the high winds, the sun in Florida, and yeah. it's going to last. It comes with a 10-year fade-free warranty, and it's available in over 100 colors to enhance the look and comfort of your outdoor space and match your backyard. Their unique shade sails are made from the Sola Mesh product, which has a 10-year warranty against degradation, and they're built to give you shade and UV protection in your backyard for years to come. If you need privacy or shade, and you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor spaces, visit Florida Lanai Curtains website at lanaicurtains.com. Make sure that you're helping support Pewter Reports podcast by clicking on places like Lanai Curtains and buying Celsius and all of these great sponsors that help bring the Pewter Report podcast to you Pewter people. Go to Florida Lanai Curtains and check out their amazing custom products. Do your own hassle-free instant online estimate. It's a great investment for your home, folks. 
do what I did. Call them at 813-337-2511 or schedule a free in-home consultation. That's Florida Lanai Curtains at lanaicurtains.com. I'm so, curious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, so Devin White, not the only guy throwing shade. We got Florida Lanai Curtains doing that too. I had a question for you two, if you would indulge me. Considering all the injuries at wide receiver that the Bucks have been battling, I think there's no question that Lattimore and Evans are going to receive fines for what happened today. Mm. But I'm going to ask the scary question. Do we think Evans gets suspended for this? It's a fair question and yeah. a good question. I could see him maybe getting one game, but I think, you know, I, there's always the appeal process and things like that. I would just be like, hey, listen, just give me a hefty fine. Yeah. Find me anyway when I throw the football into the end zone after right. scoring a touchdown. I'm happy to give away some money, give it to a charity, give it to the Mike Evans. That's what he should do. He yeah. should get a hefty fine, and then the NFL can give it to the Mike Evans Family right. Foundation. I'd be like, see, listen, I gave the glove to the kids yeah. after I left the game. I, you know, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to do right by everyone else. So um, here's I think it'll here's, be a hefty fine. Here's my take on it. I don't think Lattimore or Evans should be. Uh, suspended at all. I think fine him if you want hefty fines, $50,000, $100,000. I don't care. But the NFL is screwing up its own product so much and it there does is. on the regular, right? The NFL now, they're trying to legislate physicality out of the game. We saw it once with, with the Saints call. It was kind of a makeup call. We saw it twice in Tampa Bay on the, the Levante David sack. When Keanu Neal came in on Jameis like a split second late and was was whistled for an unsportsmanlike conduct, we saw Levante David get that ridiculous unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. This league is the one of the most self-destructive leagues that, that's in sports today. And, and they find ways to screw up their product better than anybody. And if these unsportsmanlike conduct rules continue to take place, I think fans are just about going to riot. I know I am. I'm a defensive guy. I like physicality. I like big hits. Don't legislate this stuff out of the game. It's stupid. So having said that, I could see the NFL doing something really stupid yeah. and taking away two-star players from their teams when all you have to do is just find them. Nobody grabbed the helmet and swung it. No punches were thrown. These were just right. kind of like almost like a mosh pit out there, right? And I think – that, that having them tossed for the rest of the game was punishment enough outside of hitting their pocketbooks for some fines. But at Scott, the same I, time, if you take Evans out, you've got Aaron Rodgers with no wide receivers, and that creates a great you know, storyline. Yeah. Well, we're going to make sure Tom Brady doesn't have any wide receivers, and right. we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, who truly is the greatest quarterback of all yeah. time when they, don't, exactly. when they don't have their top receivers around them? Scott, I could not agree with you more, though. I mean – all three of the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties or whatever it's called, the one on Keanu Neal, the one on Levante David. And Levante David, you know, we see him get fired up for games, but in terms of, like, getting the ref's face, we hardly ever see that. He was yeah. yelling at the ref after, which is yeah. very uncharacteristic of Levante David. And the last one, this one actually helped the Bucks, but I still think it was a bad call. The Cam Brate hit when he yeah. when he made the catch on third down. Yeah. You know, obviously some good luck for the Bucks there, but again, I, I just call. it was a terrible Horrible call. Terrible call. Like, listen, these guys are running at full yeah. speed. And I said, like, if it was a run play, like if that was a run play to Leonard Fournette yeah. and he got hit the same way, they would never even think of calling right. that. And he was running for a little bit. It's absolutely ridiculous because these guys are going full speed. And if he's standing up straight and you yeah. leap and you jump and you hit him in the head, that's one thing. But he's running, trying to get to the first down. Yeah. He's lowering and moving right. his body position. Yeah. It's a moving target. So to say that he went for his head, it's utterly ridiculous. It's stupid. It's asinine. It I will not stand for it. It's just it, so, so Josh, stupid. Josh, here, here's the thing. Greg Olson, even in the Fox booth, said, yeah. um, isn't that how they're teaching guys to tackle? Right. right? I mean, yeah. isn't this like the safest way to tackle to avoid injury? It's just embarrassing, is it not? It, it, it's ridiculous. I think two things. Number one, the NFL loves their offense. You're teaching – you're incentivizing offensive players to lower their own heads to draw these types of penalties. Number right. one. Yeah. Number Number two, and I think this is a larger thing, with a, a multi-billion dollar product 
the fact that refs are full-time employees where you can hold them more accountable, you can give them more training and create more consistency because there was absolutely no consistency in this game. There's absolutely no consistency in, in almost every game. That's ridiculous. Yep. And, and I honestly think they have got to make this a full-time job, create more accountability and, and really improve that side of the product because it is a part of the product. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly was. A bunch of crap calls the whole game. I mean, that's from the communist Chinese leader, Xi Jinping. I mean, you know, if 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 he if he sees it, everybody should see it, right? I mean, I bet he's well, got stricter accountability in his uh, his football league. Probably, <laughs> probably. Um, you know, listen, we we've we've talked about special teams a little bit, right? From from Ryan Suckup's perspective, right? Making some real clutch kicks. This this was was a game where special teams needed to step up. There was a couple of returns that were you know a little dicey right in the kickoff return yeah. game. Give the Saints credit because they do have some good special teams. But you know once again this Jake Martikit man he's inside he's the ten balling yeah. balling yeah and 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 again I I know that that people wanted punt God right before the, the draft, or I should say during the draft, right? I mean, obviously Jason Light and and the Bucks personnel staff knew what they were doing. They picked the right punter. This kid is legit. He's the real deal. He's from Georgia. He's a national champion. He's used to playing Alabama, you know, a couple times a year, right? <laughs> yeah, he's whether, played in the Superdome before, whatever it's called yeah. now, but he's played in that stadium. Whether, whether it's in season, whether it's in the SEC championship game, whether it's in a national championship, this game is not too big for him as a rookie and again here's jason light getting a starter in the fourth round it just goes back to good drafting right we've talked about coquif being a day three steal i think we're going to see zion mccollum really come on eventually and be the guy although he's probably not going to be that jamel dean for some time but we, we've seen kate otten step up right as a blocker and i think he's got a bright future at fm but man jacob art at this punter two two weeks in i've been thoroughly impressed yeah he's um I I remember doing some um, some work on him after the draft because there were so many people like, first of all, we took a punter in the fourth. Second of all, why wasn't it uh, Ariza? And and the thing that I came away with is he was such a perfect complement to Ryan Suckup because yeah. Suckup isn't a long-range kicker. You want a punter who can do something even when the offense is driven to, say, midfield, you know, that right. between the 40s. What can he do? Is it just going to go through the end zone and the the other team is now starting at their own 20 and you've really only created 20 to 30 yards of net? With Camarda, he's so good at placing the ball inside the 20 and inside the 10 and creating these really backed up situations for the other team. And, oh, yeah, he can still, you know, drive a punt. In Dallas, It was he had one, maybe even two over 60 yards. So he's got that perfect complement, but I love that first part of it in terms of, he can drop them. Yeah, and Camarda was effective in multiple ways. He did have the one at like midfield where he pinned it inside the 10. There was another one where the Bucks were backed up. He was essentially punting out of his own end zone, and he still got it over midfield, I think like back to the 40 or the 30, yep. and the special teams was right there. D Delaney ended up, friend of the program, D Delaney ended up like he wrapped he wrapped him up and everything, but wasn't able to take him down. And then other friend yep. of the program, Pat O'Connor, finished the play <laughs> and, and got the tackle. So uh, it was the Peter know. Report punt. That's what it was. Yeah, it was. It was the Peter <laughs> Report punt. Yeah, so Kamarda's done really well. The return game, Jalen Darden had a return for 17 yards. Are you kidding no. me? Yeah, like that, that was great. Casey was losing her mind when, when that happened. I know. I mean, the stars are aligning. Jalen Darden is not slipping and sliding. We've got uh, pick sixes from Jameis, but but not you know uh, for the Buccaneers, against the Buccaneers. Uh, and and uh, and the Buccaneers are, are two and zero. They've got the league's top scoring defense, and and all is right with the world. The Bucks sit on top of the NFC South. It's 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 been pretty amazing. Um, we're, we're getting some information here from the the Bucks locker room. Tristan Wirfs was talking about the fight that happened with with uh, with obviously Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore around four, five, six, whatever whatever round we're on here, right? But uh, the one thing that he told the reporters after the game that's kind of funny, he said uh, that it's his job to go 
fish Mike Evans out of the pile during any brawl. He was told that his rookie season by Ryan Griffin to go find <laughs> Evans after every play and look out for Mike. And there you see Tristan Wirfs <laughs> grabbing Mike Evans, who would want some more of, of Marshawn Lattimore and pulling him back. So uh, that's that's the bodyguard. That's the enforcer right there. Right. That's that's the secret service for Mike Evans is Tristan yeah. Wirfs, right? <laughs> Not personal not just protect not yeah personal protector not just protecting Tom Brady but also yeah. protecting Mike Evans. That that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, you're doing more than just protecting Tom. You're protecting Mike as well. And yeah, I remember I pointed that out on the last year. I'm like, oh, like Tristan Wars is in there getting Mike out of there because remember, as you see in this picture here, Mike's helmet came off. And yeah. listen, I want to. I understand you want to fight for your team and stuff. But when you're fighting someone that's wearing a helmet and you're not yeah. wearing a helmet and there's all this pushing and shoving, that could have gotten really bad. God forbid if like a player tripped and fell into Mike and his helmet sure. hits Mike's head without wearing a helmet. So oh, yeah. uh, good on Tristan Wirfs. You know, he's an all pro for multiple reasons. And uh, we're finding out now he's an all pro teammate, too. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, one of the one of the things that could happen, right? Because you see these players. I mean, Josh, you and I were there at Tennessee when Leonard Fournette with, with a, a gloved hand, you know, threw a punch uh, in, in um, uh, to the, the Tennessee Titans defensive tackle. Right. And and Lenny was the one who kind of instigated this yeah. one. too. Yeah, he did. Because it, up until Lenny got involved, it was Brady and Lattimore jawing at each other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Lenny comes in and gives the push. Then Lattimore, I think, threw a punch or a pushback, and then right. that's when, of course, Mike Evans just off the top rope. I'm coming in. Yeah. So yeah, Lenny is that guy. You know, he's 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 instigating Lenny. And, and the, the thing is, is, is to your point, Matt, about about Mike Evans not having a helmet on and why that can be dangerous is all it takes is one punch to your eye, right? And and all of a sudden that thing swells shut, right? And and then you're out the next week, whether you're suspended or not, because you can't play. I mean, unless they want to put a, a pirate patch on Mike Evans' eye. <laughs> he has eye, a which, buccaneer. He has a buccaneer. Right? He probably could go out there. He makes one-handed catches. He could probably make catches with one eye, too. But we're just glad for Tristan Wirfs that Mike Evans didn't get socked in the eye and, yeah. and have to wear a pirate patch next week. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I'm just curious to get your guys' opinion on. Um, as far as the running back room, Giovanni Bernard got hurt uh, on a special teams play, so he was not available. They used Leonard Fournette like a ton. Like there's really yeah. only one drive where Rashad White was, uh, you know, the, the featured back in the backfield. I'm just curious to get your guys' opinion as, as we start wrapping up here. Um, as as great and important as Lenny is in with this offense, I almost feel like they're using him a little bit too much, like this early. Maybe it's because it was a tight game and like you don't totally trust. Rashad White just yet, but I don't know if Lenny can get this amount of snaps and we'll look at the snap count analysis tomorrow, but I don't know if Lenny can, you know, withhold this for an entire season, just because of a running back, you're naturally going to get hit all the time. I think I'd like to see a little bit more of Rashad White. I understand he had that drop early in the game and yeah, I, Brady, I Brady was not having, Brady was having no nonsense across yeah. the board. So <laughs> it could have, it could have been a Tom Brady decision of, uh, yeah. all right, this guy dropped it, get him out. Co'Keefe dropped one, got him out, you know? So, uh, but I, I don't know. I was something I noticed. I was curious about. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the case, right? Is, is you got to have the trust of the coaches and Tom Brady and the fact that Rashad White dropped the pass that set up third and eight, right? And then you know that they it bogged down that drive. I, I think that when you only get a couple of opportunities, you got to cash in as a rookie to earn the yeah. trust of Tom Brady and this coaching staff. What do you say, Josh? I would agree. And I think the uh, really interesting thing is regardless of um, uh, Giovanni Bernard's status next week, I would expect to see Keyshawn Vaughn dressing. Yep. Um, it, it specifically because I don't think that Rashad White has earned the trust of Brady and, yep. and Byron Leftwich yet. And I think with, um, I think Brady probably trusts Keyshawn given what he was able to do yeah. late down the stretch last year. He did in Tennessee when you and I were there, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. So I would look for, for Keyshawn to actually dress and, and then it'll be interesting to see how those snaps break out and whether they can get Fournette off the field a little bit more. And yeah. if they do, who's, who's subbing in. 
right, Matt, you know, we, you're going to do snap counts tomorrow. We're going to get a look at how many plays Giovanni Bernard was out there for. I only counted one. You might I know. I was like, when did he get hurt? He hasn't played. <laughs> I think it was the second half kickoff return. But, yeah, yeah he's an old man. And as an old man, I'm older than, than Giovanni Bernard. I, I'm 50, right? He's in his early 30s, but I can relate. As somebody who's getting up there, you know, you just don't feel the way that you used to feel when you were younger. That's why you got to go to age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Age Rejuvenation. They are not just the sponsor of my SR's Fab Five column on PeterReport.com. They're also the presenting sponsor of Peter Report's Tailgate Show, uh, presented by Celsius. Also, guys, if you want to feel better, go to Age Rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation on the Peter Report Tailgate Show. There's John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer tight end. He joins us each week on the Peter Report Tailgate Show. He got me on the age rejuvenation kick. He is just about to turn 43 this week, and he started to feel sluggish, just like I did a couple of years ago. And he told me about age rejuvenation, and uh, like John, I am also a client. You know, Thankfully, I don't have any issues in the bedroom, but when you turn 50, folks, Energy becomes a problem throughout the day. You drag, you get tired, and you have to have two Celsius sometimes when you probably should only have one. But it turns out I had low testosterone when they, they checked my blood. And like most men in my 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, low testosterone is a problem. It's just nature, fellas. It happens to just about all of us. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to stamina. But now there's a way to fight it. That's what I did and John did with testosterone therapy. I have more energy now. I'm more alert uh, you know, throughout the day. Visit agerejuvenation.com. This would be one of the best decisions you've had uh, if, you're, if you're feeling sluggish. Age Rejuvenation's got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. As we wrap things up here, just want to remind everyone that we're going to have another episode tomorrow of Victory Monday, our second Woo! Victory Monday of the season. Woo! A lot of discussion today. Um, yeah, so we'll be back at 4 o'clock tomorrow, uh, you know, doing a little more further recap about the game. We'll hear from Todd Bowles again tomorrow, probably have some injury updates for Donovan Smith, Josh Wells, Giovanni Bernard, and, you know, every, everyone else from the game. Uh, but, you know, very exciting. Bucks are 2-0. They obviously slayed the uh, the Dragon. I guess, you know, a lot of people watching House of the Dragon right now, so keeping yep. it topical. But, you know, got that got that uh, that streak out of there, you know, finally beating the Saints. And, uh, you know, a lot of exciting things coming up, obviously. So make sure you're following Pewter Report TV. Got a lot of great content. Josh has some awesome video breakdowns had one of Julio Jones recently so hopefully Julio is ready to go for the Bucks first home game we'll, we'll we have are, other content you know we're on our game. way to 10,000 thanks to you yeah. Peter people we love you guys we do the show because of you and we appreciate all the super chats to do uh, today too we appreciate your generosity uh and we're like Matt said we're going to do it again tomorrow Matt I got a funny feeling that tomorrow's Peter Report podcast probably going to be our best ever yeah I think uh it definitely has the potential well, for Matt Matera and Josh Capo, we appreciate you joining us here on our post-game edition of the Pewter Report podcast. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Remember, it's Monday. It's Victory Monday. And we're going to do roll call at 420. Roll call. Pewter people at. So we want to see you all tomorrow live on the show. So 4 o'clock Eastern time after Todd Bowles' post-game press conference. We'll have all of the news to recap what happened at One Buck Place and digest this win a little bit more because it's worth savoring, right? So, Peter Report TV, make sure you hit subscribe and like those videos. And for Matt Matera and Josh Capo, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. <laughs>